I found a studio apartment available after September 1st, so I put in a deposit. After my disastrous bike trip, I had just a few days to move things from Martha's house to my new little place in town. Now I was ready to begin my final year of vet school. It began with equine reproduction and equine surgery specialties. I was scheduled for overnight duty in the barns as part of my rotation. A pretty brunette junior student named Debbie was assigned to assist me on medicine rounds. Thank you. 
Chapter 19. A New Relationship Just before I left on my bike trip, I found a studio apartment available after September 1st, so I put in a deposit. After my journey, I had just a few days to move my things in from Martha's house to my own little place in town. My final year of vet school began with equine reproduction and equine surgery specialties. I was scheduled for overnight duty in the barns as part of my equine surgery rotation. On one of those nights in late September, a junior named Debbie assisted me. Debbie was a small animal person, to whom I was immediately attracted. As we went through the treatment schedule, I was able to impress her with some of my subtler points of horse anatomy that I had learned. One of the ways to isolate a problem in a horse showing lameness is to systematically deaden the nerves supplying feeling to a particular part of the limb. If the area just numbed allows the horse to lose the lameness, we can more precisely figure out where the problem lies. By approaching lameness in such a manner, one can see if the lameness is in the foot, the pastern, the cannon bone area, or higher up. However, before a vet can start injecting lidocaine into the field to deaden the nerve, he or she must first be sure where the nerve lies. During treatments with Debbie, I showed her routes the nerves take on their way up the legs. I suppose the attraction was mutual because she listened attentively to my demonstration. When it came to the bones of the horse's leg, we disagreed about the great splint bone. Splint bones are vestigial bones on either side of the cannon bones. Some on one side are bigger than the other. The disagreement was academic, but it could surface as an exam board question. A few days after we worked together, I found a batch of cookies in my vet school mailbox from Debbie. She's interested in me, I told myself. I decided to bring the relationship up a notch and wrote my first note to her. I knew I needed to keep it light. We were getting to know one another, but I also wanted to impress the woman with my wit and charm. Hello, Debbie. I am writing this letter to express my appreciation to you for the goodies you put in my mail. The cookies were delicious, and they brightened my day a good deal. Thank you for your efforts. On a different note, I must tell you that you have lost a wager made between the two of us on Sunday. As I was reviewing radiology lectures given by Dr. O'Brien in equine lameness, I came upon a bone called the great splint bone. It so happens that I am indeed correct in my opinion this great bone is on the lateral aspect of the leg instead of the medial aspect you so held on to as the right answer. Now realize I am not trying to be overzealous and righteous, but you have stated an erroneous assumption. This means you still owe me six more cookies. Please, do not panic, as I realize frantic last-minute efforts detract from any culinary endeavor. I will not pressure you for my appropriate winnings. Mind you, I have not let you off the hook. I am willing to bide my time patiently, but I do hope one day I will be pleasantly surprised to find once again my mailbox overflowing with delicious and scrumptious edibles. Moving on to the higher finances, the accounts receivable department of my coffee corporation informs me your party seems to have accumulated an extraordinary coffee bill. After verifying the rumors via personal perusal of your financial statements, I must agree your group is indebted to mine, but at this point, I am sheepish to admit my records are somewhat incomplete. I tend to recollect the coffee you ordered was one pound Kenyan AA Ibero. If indeed this was your selection, I must not only congratulate you on your taste in coffees, but I must also ask you for the amount of $3.89. If on the other hand, one of my employees has mistaken your order for another's, and if you did not in fact take home one pound of this excellent African coffee, please see me, and I will graciously obviate the error as well as any potential misunderstandings. 
As I feel both our companies can benefit from business interactions, I am anxious to smooth over any possible problems. On a lighter note, I was delighted to hear you are having a potluck Wednesday night. Thank you for the invite. Yes, I plan on attending. Reserve a chair for me on the appropriate evening. Also, please leave me a note in my mailbox or give me a ring on the telephone to suggest what item I may contribute. I am looking forward to the evening. At this time, I would like to take a few minutes to express my appreciation to you for your help on the equine treatments. Your presence on both those nights brightened an otherwise dreary evening of mundane tasks. Thank you again. I appreciate your friendship, Debbie. Love, Jim Ahrens. Like me, Debbie was careful not to rush into relationships, and she was right not to rush into this one. She told me more than once I could not stay over because she needed to exercise her power to say no to me. There were other times she offered to remain in school while I worked past six at the hospital so she could drive me out to her place. I told her no thank you because I was afraid such acts would generate a payment due attitude which festers and pops up in an inopportune time. Early on, Debbie's old boyfriend sat me down and talked with me, letting me know Debbie was fragile and needed careful handling. I told him I could do that, but in reality, this was akin to asking a bull to walk lightly in a china shop. I had learned the talk and used it as a strong upfront come on, but in no way had I learned to slow down and listen. I never did find out how to extend the upfront success. I remained egocentric, continuing to lack the maturity, the security, the quietness required for a healthy relationship. Despite all the red flags, Debbie and I moved in together by Christmas. I had to stay at school during Christmas break to make up for my equine surgery malfeasance, and Debbie went to see her mom in San Jose. Because her trailer was 14 miles out of town and it was cold, I waited until after Christmas break to move in with my newest girlfriend. We got along well the first three months of living together. During spring break in March, I spent two days at her mom's. On our way to San Jose, I made sure I had reservations for the Cliff House, where I had dined with Sandra. After sitting down, I told Deb I'd forgotten something in the car, returning with a bottle of my homemade carnelian wine, and asked the hostess to serve it to us at the table. Delighted to do this, she didn't charge me a corkage fee. The presentation of my homemade wine to our table was magical. The server made a big deal of uncorking theatrics, allowing me to sniff the cork I jammed into the bottle's neck less than two weeks earlier. He poured a small sip for me. I swirled the glass like an actual connoisseur, tentatively sipping the first taste, letting the pink carnelian juice dance atop my tongue. Nodding my head that all was to my liking, he poured Deb her glass. Many good vibes came from the experience. I was giving myself a high five inside my head. We drove to Debbie's mom's house. The next day, we made south all the way to Orange County to spend some time with my mom and brothers and sisters. Soon after the San Jose trip, cracks appeared in the relationship. By spring break, I passed all my exams and was waiting for graduation. Debbie, however, was starting to feel unsatisfied with our relationship. Now, her notes to me included deficiencies I was exhibiting, like paying too much attention to my projects. But my plans were part of me. I instigated the Lamarck call trip, my bicycle tours, the farm Martha and I built, and the remodel of the house. I orchestrated my acceptance into veterinary school. My mind continued to think up projects. While I was living with Debbie, I didn't have that many plans. I was making a few batches of beer and watching over the wine grape crush from the fall as well as from the previous year. Once the formation process stopped, it was time to bottle the wine, so I needed to collect bottles. I cannot recall having expanded my cooking skills much. 
but even the few projects I was attempting to perform were apparently getting in the way of the relationship. I remember thinking I was losing the things that define me. It was too hard for me to follow the new me precepts, and they didn't seem to be working anyway. I needed to focus on my future, on finding a job. So I lined up job interviews and abandoned the quest to find the love of my life. It was time to concentrate on the real world, being a veterinarian. End of chapter. Thank you, Brian, for narrating Chapter 19 in Fear of Failure, my autobiography. And Mary, your songs quicken my focus, warm my heart, and bring a smile to my face. And thank you, folks, for listening. You can follow the story on my blog, jeadvm.com. Once on my blog's front page, go to the menu, pick my books, and click on Fear of Failure. 
The entire autobiography can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book or an e-book as well as an 11-disc audiobook set or can be downloaded from the audiobook site ACX. More details are on my website jeadvm.com. Tune in next week to follow more tales of the very soon-to-be ADHD veterinarian.